0: Here's Pastor Scott. I'm going to read two verses of Scripture for you out of Second Chronicles chapter 7. In verse 13, the Bible says, and this is God talking, At times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls, or command grasshoppers to devour your crops, or send plagues among you. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways i will hear from heaven and i will forgive their sins and restore their land i want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled we have a responsibility look at somebody and say responsibility pray with me god thank you for your word god thank you for a clear truth thank you for the scripture that we are still allowed to read publicly in this country. God, thank you for the holy word that we are allowed to hold in our hands and to put our eyes on. God, I pray that you would plant it in our hearts today. I pray that you would anoint me to say what you would have me to say, God. I pray that every word spoken here today will bring glory to you. Teach us now is my prayer from your word, by your spirit, in Jesus' name. amen. Amen. Let me give you a little context. Let me give you a little background setting. Um, Solomon, King David's son, uh, is now the king and he is building a temple to the glory of God. He's building a temple and he's building the king's palace. He's building these places to show the magnificence of God. And he's building the temple as a place that they will be able to make the sacrifices that God told them that they needed to make. And Solomon's hope and his goal, and you can read in the previous verses uh, before verse 13, is that it would be a place that God would put his presence in. That it would be a place that God would accept sacrifice in. That it would be a place that would be special and that God would be honored in. And God appears to Solomon in verse 12. And he tells them, well, let me just read it to you. It's not on your screen, but in in verse 12, the Bible says, And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer, and I have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. So Solomon's done all this work, and if you want to be who God wants you to be, you got to do work. Work's not a dirty word. Work's not a part of the curse of man. God gave us work to do before there was sin in the earth. Work is a blessing. And if you want to do what if you want to be who God wants you to be, you want the blessing of God on your life, you got to do the work God gives you to do. Solomon did the work God gave him to do. God appears and says, I see all this work you've done. I've heard your prayer. I'm going to put my name on this place. I, I, I'm, I'm going to give it the, the check mark. I'm going to give it the, this is where I accept sacrifices. And then. Hey, he goes into verse 13, and verse 13, I want you to really listen this morning because undoubtedly of these two verses, verse 14 is preached much more. Undoubtedly of these two verses, the practical application is found in verse 14 and not in verse 13, but how many of y'all know when you're reading scripture, you have to take scripture in context? You shouldn't just pluck a verse out here and there, and that's why I've given you the backdrop of what's going on. And in verse 13, and this might not be right on your notes back there, Dina, but take it from the verse that was already at the top of the page. Uh, 2 Chronicles seven thirteen 13, God said, At times I might shut up the heavens that no rain falls. Now, there is a horrible theology in the earth today it's not new but it's expansive it's not new but it's overplayed it's not new and it's certainly not true but it is so prevalent because of television radio and social media the liars that are preaching on what is called gospel television it's not gospel television unless they're preaching the death burial and resurrection of jesus christ because that's what the gospel is People going on TV taking 29 minutes of a 30-minute television show to beg for money so they can stay on the air next week so they can beg for more money next week. That has nothing to do with God. People plucking a scripture here or there, telling you all types of fanciful hype stories and pep rallying you so you'll sow a seed by faith so God will give you double for your trouble and so God will give you a hundredfold on every dime. Uh, they're just con artists and hucksters trying to take your money. But the television and the radio preachers, they they have taken this horrible, bad, wrong Twisted theology to try to convince Christians in the earth today that if something good is happening, it's because God is doing it, and if something bad is happening, it's because the devil is doing it. They've tried to make believers, and there's people in this room that believe this, and there are people, Christians all across the world, that really believe this that if you're having a great week, it's glory, hallelujah, to God. God is so good. Oh, God is good to me. Praise the Lord, I'm blessed and highly favored, always above, never beneath. Always the head and not the tail. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. None of these diseases shall come nigh unto me. Loose here, devil, and I rebuke you. When it's going good, that's the lies that they tell. But when it's going bad, woe is me. pray for me. Oh, remember me and mine because the devil is having his way. Remember me. Oh, Pastor, I ask prayer for me and my family because the devil is attacking our finances. And it's always the devil. If 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 it's good, it's God. If it's bad, it's the devil. Let me tell you again, if you didn't hear it the first time, I say it louder for those in the back. On good days, bad days, happy days, and sad days, Jehovah God is always in control, and He's always to be praised. It's as if people believe that that because you're having a bump in the road, that the devil just put God in a choke slam and took over. Nobody puts God in a chokeslam. Nobody can thwart the plan of God. And listen to what God said to his servant. He didn't say at times I might be in a chokeslam and unable to do good things for you and the devil might shut the heavens up that no rain falls. Now understand this. We want the rain to fall. Anybody know? Let me just check. Let's just pretend it's Wednesday night, open Bible study, open discussion, interactive forum. Does anybody know why the average, I'll help you with the answer here because I'm kind and benevolent. Does anybody know why the average subdivision living person with homeowners association fees to worry about? Do you know why the average person in in that capacity in 2020 wants it to rain in Jacksonville? Spoken by a subdivision liver. Amen. Amen. Spoken by a man with a HOA fee so that so he don't have to water that grass and pay that extra water bill. Because here's the reality. Do you know that granddaddy would not have been out there installing an irrigation system in his front yard so his grass would be green? Wouldn't be paying an extra amount of money to some utility authority to have extra water so he didn't have brown spots in his yard. He'd be like, I don't sleep in the yard anyway. (laughs) Green, brown, yellow. You wouldn't get granddaddy to spend extra money. But the average person in America today uh, living in Jacksonville, especially if they, you know, living in one of those kind of neighborhoods, the biggest reason they want rain, they don't want, listen, you ought to want rain to knock some of this pollen out of the air. You ought to want rain to keep the the aquifer at the right level so all the lakes don't dry up and we don't start running out of clean water. But that's not why people want rain in this generation today. People want rain in this generation today so so that their grass can be green. That's convenience. That's materialism. That's excess. The people that God's talking to here, this is an agricultural community. It was life to them. If there's no rain, the crops didn't grow. Everybody went hungry. If it's no rain, the crops died, burnt up, and what little money they had was wasted and gone. Uh, My family comes from rural Louisiana on cotton farms, living on dirt patches. It is incredible how broke my grandfather and that whole side of my family was when the man owned 140 acres of farmland. Wouldn't sell it, though. Wasn't worth a dime to him because he wouldn't get rid of it lived broke, and died broke, but I learned a lot about farming growing up, and here's the thing about farming. The farmer has to do a lot. The farmer has to buy the seed, then he doesn't even get to plant the seed yet, the farmer has to buy the equipment, and as much of it as he can to save his back, to drag the land to plow the land, to till the land, and to prepare the land. There's a lot of work going on for the farmer. This is what these people understood. They were an agricultural community. They understood the necessity of farming. And then after all that backbreaking work, the farmer had to plant the seed. And then he had to tend the land the whole time. And then all, listen, the farmer could not make it rain. But no play the Indian drum and, you know, blah, blah, blah and, and, and rain dance. The farmer understood. We've done all we can do. Now we pray and we ask God to let it rain. They knew God was the source of rain, and the rain that is being talked about here is life-giving rain, money-making rain. We won't live without it rain. See, honestly, us, we got water in the house. Some of y'all got water in, your, in the door of your refrigerator. Figure out that miracle right there. Freaking alien out. Imagine an alien coming. Not even an alien. Get somebody from, uh, from Pastor Coon's village. Come over here and, and, and put a glass in the door of your refrigerator. And they'll be looking. Where's the water coming? If it didn't rain, you know, whatever. We pay, we, you know, we'll water our grass. We, we'll, you know, just do whatever we got to do. But for them... It was life or death. Say life or death. death. This is serious. This isn't just like, oh, well, it hasn't rained in a minute. This was starvation if it didn't rain. And God said at times I might shut up the heavens that no rain falls. He didn't say the devil might because I'm impotent. He didn't say the devil might because I might fall asleep. He didn't say the devil might because I might yield control of the earth to the devil. He didn't say the devil might because I just get tired sometimes. He said I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops, or send plagues among you. The majority of people preaching on the TV would disagree with what I'm about to tell you, and they build such a horrible case theologically to try to support their foolishness that if anybody really listened to what they were saying, they would abandon that nightmare train wreck of bad theology. They would tell you that God wouldn't do anything To devour because the devil is a devourer and God is a healer. They would tell you that when plagues come, that God would never do anything to harm his children. He's a good father. Ain't he a good father? He's a wonderful creator. Hallelujah. And they would just try to build this ridiculous fantasy that the scripture is not true. And that their bad theology holds water. I come today inspired by the true and living God to tell you that bad theology is bad theology and the word of God is true alone. He said that he's the one that could shut up the heavens and no rainfall, which would make everybody broke. With no food and no way to make money. The rain affected the crops. The crops affected whether or not they fed their children, whether or not they made money on their jobs. All of them made money on their jobs through crops. God said he's the one that affects the rain falling or not falling. He's the one that sends things to devour crops. He's the one that sends plagues among you. I can't listen to liars on TV, so I don't catch much of it. Every now and then I'll torture myself just to make sure that they're still doing what they've always been doing. And they're out there. The devil is trying to ruin our economy with this plague, this pandemic. I'm so glad everybody learned a new word before we died. Ain't that right? I'm so glad. That all of us over 55, I'm talking about us card-carrying folk. You know you got your AARP. You know you're trying to get 10% off at Outback. I'm so glad that before Jesus took us home, we learned pandemic. Because I can promise you this, the average American didn't know the difference between a pandemic and an epidemic. And if you'd be honest, half the people in this room still don't know the difference between a pandemic and an epidemic. But we got pandemic flashing on us day and night. Devil have sent this pandemic to kill us all and to ruin our economy. Oh, you get to learn all types of words from, from people who, who don't, don't really support God. Man, in the last few years, social media, think of all the words they put on us that nobody ever used for Pandemic. Homophobia. I never met a real man in my life that was scared of a homosexual. You scared of Steve? Steve? Just walk in fear, you see one, and you just say, "Please, please, please take my money." <laughs> homophobia, phobia means a fear of something. That ain't even what it is. If you call it bigotry, call it discrimination. Call, call, call it hate. But it's, it's not homophobia. And then there's that other word that nobody can spell. Xenophobia. These new words they're trying to put on us. But let's stay with this one. Pandemic. Everybody's freaked out about pandemic. The devil has brought this plague on us. That's not what the scripture says. And I want you to leave. If you don't get anything out of today's message, I want you to get this. The devil cannot override God. God is always in control. God is the causer, not the reactor. God is not sitting up in heaven thinking, "Huh." oh me i say he don't say oh god he says oh me oh me oh me oh me oh my oh me what am i gonna do now the devil and the pandemic oh me oh my that god doesn't freak out because he's the one in charge he's the one doing this so here's what i did for you and i hope it came out right on the notes y'all know me you've been around for a while you know when i study scripture i take about 12 different versions and I read them all, then I compare it to the original Hebrew and the original Greek, and I make the sense out of it, and try, try to get a consensus of what's being said. Uh, because it's hard to translate some words from a language, especially a language that's not spoken um, regularly, and neither one of those languages is being spoken. The Koine Greek's not being spoken now, and the Hebrew's definitely not being spoken, not the way they were speaking it then. It's hard to translate some of those words. I saw it in the look of translators when I travel and uh, preach in Hispanic churches because I say some stuff the average, you know, American doesn't understand. I'll I, I make up words and, and, and throw some ghettoisms out there, and, 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 and like when I tell y'all I'm, I'm ghetto neck, and they don't under, that, there's no real, uh, all right, Jessica, tell, tell me if you're translating for me, and I said, uh, and, and you understand when I say I'm ghetto neck, I'm, I'm part ghetto, part country, um, if I'm preaching and, and you're trying to explain to your familia, uh, when I say ghetto neck, come on, say, say ghetto neck. Okay, now if it's not dirty and vulgar, give me the exact translation of what you just said. Street, um, street. See, there is no Spanish word for ghetto neck. That's a made up American foolishness by little preachers on the West Side. So when you try to translate from one language to another language, and I've had I I remember this one lady, I was saying stuff, and she'd pause, and I'd look at her, and she'd be like. She didn't even know what to try to throw. I thank God you threw street out there. That was good. You put that. But she had to make that up in her mind. She had to reach for the closest word in her language that would express the point in a different language. And that's why I look at all these different translations. Not that they're saying different things. They're all saying the same thing. But sometimes they will give greater emphasis to a word. Um, And so I look at all these. And I I put some on the notes. I I, I went to eight different translations and printed them out on the notes. And I just want to see the first few words. Well, I'll read the whole thing. In the King James Version. Do we have that? In the King James Version. The Bible says, if I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. Who's the one doing all that? God. But he said, if. What did he say in the first word of this verse? If. Okay, so I, I, I literally built two columns check mark for the, for, for the ifs and a check mark for the next word, which is when. Listen to the New King James Version. He said, when I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people. It's still God doing it, but this, this group of theologians that translated from that Hebrew to their level of English didn't say if, they said when. They said when. And so I had to think about it, and when you're studying the Bible, you have to think about it, and say, okay, well, are these different? Because that wouldn't make sense. They can't be different because the Word of God doesn't change, but they can be more expansive. They can't expound on it. They, they can create it. Uh, uh, they, they can create more understanding around it. If, if, I, if I told Carmelita, if you don't stop shaking your knee, if you keep shaking your knee, I'm going to slap that Bible off the, off the pew. I said, if. But does that let her know there's a very real possibility that that's going to happen and I'm going to be the one doing it? I could have said, when I come down there and slap that Bible off your lap, it's going to be because you're shaking your your leg in the church. Okay? Nothing wrong with shaking your leg in the church. Go ahead and just (laughs) do what you got to do. Um, It's the same concept, but it's a greater understanding. Because the one that says, if, you could think, well, maybe... He will and maybe he won't. But when he says when, then he is. You know, he's going. Now, if is he is too. It's just a different level. It's just a different level. It's just like if I told one of my children, if I don't die from a heart attack preaching today, I'm whipping you when I get home. They know that means it's coming. I might have said if, but it's coming. So right now, the score... Between if and when is one-to-one. So We don't have any sports to watch, so you know, I figured we'd you know, have, have a contest. <laughs> Please, people, let the economy, just everybody go back to work. Let's get some sports back in the world. And some, and, and, and some restaurants open so I can sit down. We sat, we, you all know me and my kids eat out every night. It is not fun standing up in the parking lot at Popeye's trying to hold a, a tray and eat chicken. So we sat down on the brick wall. But y'all know my back ain't good for sitting on brick. So I had to go back to standing, get these restaurants back open. I looked at the Waffle House today on the way to work. I was coming into church this morning. I looked at the Waffle House, and it said, open to go. I'm like, of all the things I'm not taking to go, it's Waffle House. And I love Waffle House. I'm, what am I going to do? Get eggs, drive to my house? Get grits and drive to my house. It will be cold clabber that, that I'd have to carve with a knife by the time I got home. Get these places back opened up. That's a side note. Don't get distracted. Let's go back to the contest. It's one to one. It is one to one. We got if in the King James. We got when in the New King James. Let's look at the New Living Translation. At times, I might. Shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. He didn't say in any of these translations that I might let the devil do it. He said that he would do it. Now, when he says, at times, I might, if you're keeping this score, would you put this in the uh, if column or the when column? I might. If. It's okay. We'll give that to the if column. Let's, let's move on to the new international version. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land or send plague among my people, Are we going with the if or the wind column? Okay, now I want to let y'all know the wind column is now advancing. Now let's go to the English Standard Version. When I shut up heavens so that there's no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, we're we putting this one in the if or the wind column. New American Standard Version said, if I shut up the heavens so there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send the pestilence among my people. We're putting that in the if or the wind column. That's if. You can see it, the first word in the verse. The New English Translation says, when I close up the sky so that it doesn't rain or command locusts to devour the land's vegetation or send a plague among my people. We're putting that in the if or the wind column. All right. Now, the last one, the Revised Standard Version. When I shut up the heavens so there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people. We're putting that in the if or the wind column. All right, now, because, you know, Elder Jimmy has, has still been trying to hold on as a softball player and, and been trying to keep score his whole life. Because when guys our age used to go to baseball games, they would hand you a card and you would keep score. And you would sit down and you would write down what, what happened to every batter and, and record every out, every hit, every run, every walk. Uh, are, y'all, are y'all keeping a scorecard? What we got. Five to three, four. Five to three for win. Same math. I got. so that works out good. Uh, if it had been wrong, you'd have had to check your calculation. Uh, of these eight times, three times God said if, but He still was the only one taking responsibility for it. Five times He said, when. Can we conclude from that that it is not a matter of if? These things are going to happen. It is a matter of when they happen. It is a matter of when God shuts up heaven. Not the devil. Oh, the devil. The devil. Pastor Scott, pray for me. The devil is attacking my marriage. Maybe the fact that you're whoring around behind your spouse's back has something to do with that. We don't like that level of truth. Maybe maybe because you don't choose to get off porn before 5 o'clock in the morning. The, de- the devil is attacking my marriage. The devil is attacking my finances. Listen, if you ain't tithe, and, 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 I mean, since, since Jesus was a carpenter, you, and the devil ain't attacking your finances. God is doing something because God is always doing something. God said, when I do it, when I do it, when I, br- when I make you broke because your crops won't grow. When you run out of food because I won't send you rain. When I send locusts to devour your land. But Pastor the sky, the, the, the man on TV said that God ain't a devourer. The man on TV needs to read the Bible. God owns everything. The Bible says he chooses to set one up and take another one down. He, he chooses to show mercy to one and judgment to another. He chooses to send rain one day and drought the next. He said, or send pestilence among my people. Almost every other version that we read said plague. Do you realize that a plague is what we're looking at in this coronavirus? Now I'm not moved by it. I already told you. H1N1 had 61 million people 11 years ago when President Obama was president and didn't shut down a school or close a restaurant. How many of y'all ready for your kids to go back to school? (laughs) (laughs) You're out of that stage, ain't you, Steve? Your kids are graduated? Uh, Connor. Connor. (sighs) The teacher wasn't lying about what? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Listen, this plague that we're under... That we're allowing to change everything about our country. Some of y'all are so excited y'all gonna get that little piece of little piece of cheddar from the government. It's gonna ruin our economy forever. 2.2 trillion dollars? They called it two trillion dollar stimulus, but then when it got signed, it was two point two. Listen, when you think that two hundred billion with a B is so insignificant that you just say two trillion? We've lost sensitivity to how much a billion dollars is. $200 billion, just tax money, flushing it out there to anybody. $2.2 trillion coming from a debtor nation that can't pay its debt already, over $20 trillion in debt, doing something now, and I won't, I won't labor this because I know most people in the room are, 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 are not you know into the financial realm uh, to understand this, but doing something that is so unprecedented, the government of the United States is now, they've been printing money, they, that, that's not, nothing wrong with that. But they're now printing money and buying their own bonds. If you don't understand how drastic that is, that, that's printing money, And securing it with the fake money you just printed. It's like me me saying, all right, I'm going to give you $500 of this Monopoly money. And and just to prove that it's real, I got another $500 of Monopoly money right here to back it. (laughs) Venezuela tried that. And it didn't work out for them. But God says he's the one. I don't want you to think less of God because you'd be wrong. I don't think less of God because I believe God's the one in charge of this coronavirus. I think more of God. I don't think less of God because I believe hurricanes come from God. I think I believe more of God. I don't think less of God because of whatever situation comes my way. It causes me to realize this is a setup. It causes me to understand as the blood-bought church, we have a responsibility. It causes me. Listen, do you know what people do in times of famine, plague, and pestilence? You know what, you know what Christians should do? They should pray more. They should trust God more. They should realize can't go to work and there's only so much Seinfeld a human being can watch. May as well open this book at my home. There are real Christians around the world. Pastor Kuhn, uh, Message me early this morning to let me know they're in prayer for us and for our service and for the world. There are Christians around the world that realize there's a responsibility of the true believer. See, too many people want the presence from God, the good stuff, the gifts, but they don't want the presence of God. They don't want God in their stuff. They don't want God showing up. Because, you know, for all the people that say, man, I just want God to be glorified in my life, better get on your knees. You You can't battle this. What well, the government's going to come up with. We, we've got imperfect people trying to find a solution that is way above their pay grade. We, 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 we've got people that care more about their own real. Did you see? Some of y'all didn't even look. Did you see all oh, the stupidity? And it wasn't just one side. And the Republicans and the Democrats did it. They shoved so much money into that trillions of dollars. They're like, hey. We need we need $35 million to refurbish the Kennedy Center. When I saw that I'm like, Nancy Pelosi, you have lost your mind. We're trying to get people fed and food on the table and back to work. You're trying to pe- 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 line the pockets of somebody's museum? But they both put in so much junk in there that it had nothing to do with us because they don't have the capacity to find the solution to this. But we got people sitting around saying. Oh the government's going to figure this out. They're going to take care of us till it comes. They, they, psh, you're going to squeeze so much blood out of a rock. Or you got other people thinking. Well the scientists are going to figure it out. They're thinking that the remedy is going to come from a human being. God didn't say that's where the remedy would come from. Listen to verse 14 and I'm done. He said then. When is then? After. 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 Then is always after. When God says if and then. He says, "If these things happen, then this will happen." You got to understand. When something is happening, then after you see it happening, there's a responsibility on our part. And I've always told you, look for the if and then promises in the Bible. When God says, "If this happens, then that happens," if, if, if you do the if, God will always do the then. And we see the if and the then. We've already we, we see the if and the then. He said, "Then, after." All these bad things are happening. Then, he said, if my people who are called by my name will do certain things. Then he says that after that, he will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and restore their land. I want to give you a list. If you're taking notes, we're going to look at four things that we've got to do to get to the three things that only God can do. I'm going to give you four things that we're commanded to do. Before God will ever do the three things that we want him to do. I've heard so many people say, we need God to intervene. Yes, we do. We need God to stop this. Yes, we do. We need God to bless our country again. Yes, we do. We need God to keep us safe and protect us. Yes, we do. But the remedy will not come from hope so living. The remedy will come from obedience if you read the book of the month this month in the book of James, you found out that God said you are blessed in your doing. So let's, let's break this down and get out of here. He said, after all this bad stuff starts happening, and can you, can you admit that we got some bad stuff happening? Here's what's crazy. We were in a train wreck before anybody heard of coronavirus. Our country was in distress before there was a coronavirus. We had all types of problems before there was a coronavirus. So this ain't the only thing that we need God's help with, but it's the thing people are focusing on now. So we can agree that we're already in verse 13. There's trouble, and it's everywhere, and and, and it's getting worse. So when we get to verse 13, we've got to continue to verse 14. It says, then. You need a then moment. You need a then moment. Stop hoping that things will get better and step into your then moment. Stop hoping somebody else will fix what you're responsible to do. We have a responsibility as the children of God. We are the salt and the light on this earth. We are the hands and feet of the presence of God on this earth. We are the ambassadors for God through Jesus Christ on this earth. And he said, when verse 13, when all this bad stuff breaks out, then here's what needs to happen. If my people, who are called by my name. Now, if I had, if I was going to keep score, like I kept that 5-3 score on those eight versions. If I was going to keep score, I would just start right here. Now, I'll start start with two people that I trust will give me the right answer. Because he said, he didn't say if everybody. He said my people, who are called by my name. This is a select group of people. This is a small group of people. God's always dealt in a remnant, which means a small piece. God's always dealt with with the smaller group than the bigger group. Uh, Read your Bible. That's easy to find out. He said, if this certain type of people. Now, if I was keeping score in this room, and I won't go everywhere, but I'll I'll, I'll go somewhere where I hope I'll get the right answer. See, here's what you got to decide. Am I God's person, and am I called by his name? All right, so let's, we'll, we'll just take one row, and we'll get the score off one row. Are you God's person called by God's name? Are you God's person called by God's name? Okay, so we got two to nothing right now. Now, how many of y'all know if I keep going down these rows, that, that, that zero is going to turn into a number? Everybody's not God's person. Everybody's not called by God's name. Now, I hope most of the people in this room consider themselves to be God's people, called by God's name. But this is the mandate for real Christians. If this select group of people, people who call themselves Christians, will do certain things. And we're going to look at these four things. How many things? Four things. It says, if they will humble themselves. I don't know. I mean, because it's been a while. You know, I went to grade school in England. We traveled in Europe when I was little. Uh, I don't know how arrogant. You know, I've heard stories about the French. Uh, But I don't know how arrogant all these other nations are. But I know how arrogant America is. I don't know how desperate these other nations are for the humbling of God to fall on them. But I know a country that was born in independence It celebrates an Independence Day because they uh, gave the thumb, I almost said middle finger, but y'all have been mad at that, uh, the, to, to a country and said, we'll do it our way, we don't need you. That American spirit, that nobody gave me nothing, I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps, worked hard for everything I got, I'm a self-made man spirit, which is good. Work hard and God will bless you, that's in the Bible socialism from the devil capitalism from God read the Bible you'll find out God took from the one who did nothing and gave it to the one who had everything I'm not going to preach that message but it's all throughout the Bible there is in this nation a pervasive mindset that says I'm important because I'm successful I made my money I got more than you got there is this mindset of pride in America and I don't know about all the other countries in the world that are suffering with COVID-19, but I can tell you America needs humbling. All these people that thought they were bulletproof have taken a massive throat punch. I'm in that number. I'm, I'm, I'm heavily invested in the stock market. Do you realize that when the Dow Jones goes from 30,000 to 20? thousand even to twenty two thousand do you realize that between those numbers that is a thirty to forty percent loss in your net worth for people who are involved in that we're talking about people who lost a third of everything they had like that i'm there okay i'm there but i never trusted in what i had in the stock market my hope's always been in the lord These people, think about somebody who had $100 million and they lost $40 million in two days. There's a humbling that's happening. And the Bible is clear, and we've talked about it before, that you can humble yourself or God will humble you. God is looking for us to humble ourselves. Let me tell you what humbling yourself means. It means you have a a real awareness that you need God that you can't do this on your own, that you're not large and in charge, that you're not 10 foot tall and bulletproof, that you can't fix every problem on your own. We have got to get to the place as the blood-bought church, the people of God called by his name, to where we have an awareness of humility that says, as the old hymn says, I need thee, oh, I need thee, every hour. See, now we're saying we need God because of coronavirus. No, grandmama and them knew every hour, I need thee. In the morning, I need thee to get up. In in the noontime, I need thee to steady my mind. We got to get to an awareness that says we are not it. That's number one. We got to humble ourselves. We're looking at churches today that are built on promotion and marketing. You ever wonder why some churches grow so big and other churches don't? Because I can tell you this, this is solid God's heaven truth. And, and y'all met my best friend in ministry, Pastor Gene Dillon, many times. My accountability prayer partner, Pastor Gene Dillon, who, who I'm in constant contact with. He is, undoubtedly, with no reservation in my mind, the holiest man on the planet. No doubt in my mind. No No doubt in my mind, he prays more than everybody I know, even me. No doubt in my mind, he lives closer to righteousness than any human being I know. He is a holy. He's the real deal. And he's pastoring a church smaller than ours. Well, why ain't he got the big, huge, hairy church? Because he focuses on preaching the truth and doing what God's called him to do and not on marketing and promotion. Show me a mega church; I'll show you a church that's corporate-driven, with great corporate model mindset of people who give away water bottles with their church name on it. This is the funniest thing I've ever seen. I saw one church, and I'm not mad at any church. If they're preaching Jesus, I thank God for them. But I understand there are ways to grow a church through marketing, good commercials, good advertising, good print media. And there there are large churches in America today that have brought marketers in professional promoters in, to bring their church higher. It's not higher because the man of God is holy or he's preaching the truth. I, I saw this one church. They were so excited. They, they-, they put out this big media uh, uh, PSA, serving our community. I told you about them. They printed their church name on water bottles, and they went to the soccer fields at Fleming Island, and they handed out water to rich little kids playing soccer while their moms were sitting on top of coolers filled with Powerade and Gatorade. How much of those kids really need that bottle of water? The necessity wasn't there, but it was a photo op of servitude. It is not the churches that are the biggest. It's not the church. I told you all before, I believe the most blessed people, when we get to the judgment seat, are not going to be great preachers whose names people know. It's gonna be men and women of God living in the shadows that were seriously bent on their knees to God, truly humble, not proud and not lifted up, never talked about on earth, but rewarded mightily in heaven. We've got it all twisted. We look for success in all the wrong ways. God is saying that for us to get remedy, which we want, everybody in this room wants remedy to this coronavirus. Everybody in this room wants things to get better in their life. The first thing that has to happen if you are a Christian, you've got to come to the realization, I need God. That's that's the humbling of yourself. The second thing you got to do is pray. Right out of that verse. Humble themselves and pray. (laughs) Sounds so easy, doesn't it? Wouldn't you think Christians pray? Wouldn't you think that Christians spend time in prayer? Wouldn't it make sense that with all the church we go to, to believe that the average person going to church spends time in prayer. That would just make sense. Now I want you to reflect real quick on how much you pray. That's a mic drop moment. We don't pray enough, can we agree? The remedy will not come. Well, it's warming up outside and the hot weather will kill the coronavirus. Not if God says it won't. Well, they're going to figure it out, not if God says it won't. Well, they're getting more ventilators now because, you know, Ford and GM are making ventilators now, and that's going to solve the problem, not if God said it won't. That's not God's remedy. That's man's feeble attempt to do what seems good to them. But what they don't understand is an excess of ventilators is not what kept coronavirus away. We can have ventilators just stacked up a mile deep on every corner, and it's not going to fix this. What's going to fix this is when God's people take their responsibility to do what God told us to do and to get humble and to pray. I want to encourage you to start praying. Whatever level of prayer you're at, pray more. We all could do more. And the thing that God is calling us to do is to pray. Not only that, the third thing, and seek my face. Seek my face. Do you know everything's fighting for your attention in this earth? Your job, your relationships, your hobbies, your sports, your family, everything. TV, social media. We just got stuff bombarding us all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. God's not like that. You're not going to go in there and turn on your computer and and God just put his picture on your monitor and say, I love you so much, I'm here for you. But you can click on a bunch of websites that will make you think that. You can go hang out with friends and family and do anything with your time other than seek God, but that's not going to be the remedy that we need. God said we've got to seek his face. He's already told us to pray. We seek God on our knees, but there's another place we seek God as believers. We seek him through his word. He said in the New Testament that he used to speak by prophets, dreams, and visions. And sure, he still does that, but he said now he primarily speaks to us through the words of his son. We've got the written word of God. We need to seek this. The Bible tells us to search these scriptures. Can that be said of you? Are you a scripture searcher? Do you spend time seeking God through this book? This is our responsibility. This is the wake-up call. I believe this is a divine wake-up call from God to the people of God to get more humble, to pray more, to seek Him more. And the fourth thing. Right out of this verse. And turn from their wicked ways. I always point this out. You should be used to it by now. You should know what's coming. What type of people is this verse talking to? Saved or unsaved? It's talking to Christians. It's talking to saved people. What type of ways does it say we have? Wicked ways. Wicked ways. Everybody, in some degree, has got some wicked way about them. And God says we have to turn from it. That Verb turn is in a continual tense that means you don't go back to it. The average Christian sets their sin down and goes back to it. The average Christian stops for a minute and goes back to it. The average Christian does better for a hot minute and it goes back to being wicked. God said we've got to get humble. We've got to seek him. And we got to turn from our wicked ways. This is the trick of the devil. To make everybody point fingers at everybody else. Well, you know if those Republicans cared about poor people, we'd have a better country. And, and, and the other half is saying, well, you know, if, if, the, if everybody wouldn't sit at home drawing a welfare check, our country would be in a better position. Because how many of y'all know people abuse the welfare system? We got people sitting at home now. Listen, let me tell y'all something. Some people aren't even gonna want to go back to work. Um, I, I heard uh, I don't know if he was a senator or congressman. Um, you may, you remember JC Watt? Well, who JC Watt played football for? It's either Oklahoma or Nebraska. Uh Nebraska. Nebraska. He he's a senator now or uh young uh Good looking African American dude, well, I mean, just awesome. He's, but the it, shock, he's a Republican senator who's super conservative, and he's attacking this uh, this $2.2 trillion as the most wasteful thing he's ever seen. He said that they, everybody gets state unemployment. So if you got a job making $400, $500, $600 a week, you get fired, you file unemployment, they're going to throw a couple, two, three, four hundred $400 a week at you, right? That's how unemployment works. Guess what the 2.2 stimulus package did? I didn't notice that he brought it out, and he said this is the most egregious thing that he's ever seen. They're not only going to let you get the state money. said if you're making $500 a week, the state's going to give you about $300 a week unemployment while, while, while you're out of work. The Fed's going to kick in on top of that an extra $600 a week. Now, let's do the math on that real quick. You were making $500 a week. The state's going to give you 300 a week. The Fed's going to give you 600 a week. What's 300 and 600 900 What were you making to begin with? You really want to go back to work? We're wasting money to incentivize people to ride the system. So we got all these people saying this side is wicked, that side is wicked. The, the Republicans are saying the Democrats packed this thing with all types of uh, excess. The Democrats are saying the Republicans packed it with all types of And they both did it. They're the wicked ones. We, we, we had all the people saying... Uh, president Obama, not my president. Now you got people saying, President Trump, not my president. We got all, oh, he's the bad guy, she's the bad guy. They're the ones in the wrong. They're not doing right. What we need to do is we need to get these strip clubs out of Jacksonville. What we need to do is shut down the drug dealers. What we need to do is stop heroin from coming across the border because that's ruining our country. What we need to do is to shut down sex trafficking. What we need to do is, is to stop selling pornography on shelves in, in stores. What, what we need what we need to do, what we need to do, what we need to do. What, Everything that's being said is not what we need to do. is what we're saying they need to do. When the reality is, it's on us. Get that. It's on us. God didn't say, if the drug dealer and the heathen and the hookers and the hoes and, 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 and the sex traffickers and the child molesters would turn from their wicked ways, life would get better. Oh, but we want to look at them. Find me somebody in a church that never smoked cigarettes, and they're talking bad about somebody who ain't quit smoking cigarettes yet. Find me somebody in church who never had a problem with drinking, and they're talking bad about It's always, he's worse than me, she's worse than me, she's worse, he's worse. I'm better, I'm better, I'm better, I'm better, I'm better. And we all have wicked ways. And grandmama should have told you. If you spend time concentrating on your own self, you won't have any time to be meddling in somebody else's backyard. God said we've got to turn from our wicked ways. You better go home sometime soon and learn how to humble yourself. You better go home sometime soon and learn how to pray. You better go home sometime soon and turn from what it is. I am not going to start. If I started with Carmelita, uh, of course, she might Run out a whole clock. But if I went down the whole row, I know, I know by the time we got between these, these two hard chargers right here, they'd run out the clock. Would every wicked way that you've ever had, you think, that, you think there's a list there? Our lists are different, but it's a list. Our wicked ways are different, but they're there. If the only wicked way you have is that you don't pray enough, that's wicked in the sight of God. If the only wicked way you have is you don't witness to enough people about the goodness of God, that's wicked in the sight of God. you got to stop pointing at your fingers at me. you got to stop pointing your fingers at politicians. you got to stop pointing your fingers at people that you don't like. Well, it's the system. It's the man's foot on my neck. It's this and that and the other thing. No, it's our responsibility. It stops here. Then he said if we do those things. Humble ourselves, pray, seek his face, and turn from our wicked ways. Now, in in, in the King James, it says, then will I hear from heaven. That's after those things happen. When we do those things, God says, I will. He didn't say, I might. Do you know why God has not heard from heaven, forgiven our sins, and healed our land? Do you know why God has not stopped The coronavirus from destroying the world. Do you know why God is still allowing this thing to go on and multiply and grow? Do you have any capacity to understand why this thing is what it is? Because we won't do this. So God will do that. Oh, you can't get more than a hundred people in a church to listen to this kind of preaching. But it's the truth anyhow. Now, I, I can give you a list of churches. You, you want to go somewhere? You want you We're just so glad you came. And don't y'all all look so nice today? Give yourselves a round of applause for coming to God's house. It's such a sacrifice. You're sitting in this air-conditioned building on padded chairs. You're just going all in. And there's plenty of churches out there that will blow sunshine up you. Congratulate you for living sloppy. Never challenge you to hold up a standard of righteousness. But if you want God to do something, you want God to restore our land. One, most versions say heal our land. You want God to step in. We need God to show up and show out. God's sitting on the easy chair right now. Sitting on the easy chair. God knows what's going on. He's just sitting there wondering. Y'all going to do it? Y'all want my help? Y'all want me to get up in here? Y- y'all, listen, if there, if there was a heavy box for me to lift, if I'm over in the B building and the food and clothing people over there working, I might have broke my back twice and my neck once in the last 10 years. If there's a heavy box that I need carried out to my car, I can struggle to carry it. Or I can just say, hey, Deacon Dixon, can you grab this for me? And he'd grab it like it was nothing. I'd be grabbing and hurting my back for a month. We need to call out, listen to me, to the one who is able. Stop trying to do what you can't do. Stop trying to expect others to do what they can't do and call on the one who is able. Is our God able? If we will do these four things, Then God said he'd do three things. Number one, he'll hear from heaven. We need God to hear our prayer. Don't think just because you're a Christian, God listens intently to your prayer. He's already said if we hold a sin in our heart, he won't listen to us. If we have unforgiveness to another brother, he won't listen to us. There's lots of ways that we cancel out our prayer ability. That's why we got to get humble and start praying more so we can get a prayer up. You need to get to the place where your prayers impact heaven. He said, when we do these four things, number one, he's going to hear from heaven. Number two, he said he'll forgive our sins. The greatest thing about salvation to the new believer, and this is why so many people say, Pastor Scott, I just wish I could be as excited as I was when I first got saved. I wish I could get that joy back of when God was new to me. The reason they say that is because they had an awareness of forgiveness at that point. I remember when I got saved, I was a scumbag. I I was in the gutter of life morally. And when God saved me, it was the first time in my life I'd ever felt clean. It was the first time in my life I ever had an awareness of He accepts me. He has forgiven me. I, I lost my sin. I lost my shame. I lost the stain and the stink of sin on my life, and I was clean. And that's that new believer. That's why new believers think the sky looks bluer. That's why they think the birds sound sweeter. That's why they think the, the choir sings better than they do. That's why they think the preaching's better than it is. That's why they think church is more fun than it really is. They just think all that stuff because they feel good about having their sins forgiven. You read 1 John this month, you're going to find out. That's, that's, that's what the first thing people learn. He says, you, you, you little children, the only thing you know is that your sins are forgiven. And that's a good place to be we got to get to the place where not only do we have forgiveness. Well, I know God forgives me. I know people shacking up, doing all kinds of crazy stuff, saying, but God forgives me. There's no joy in that forgiveness. There ought to be shame. There's no humility in that forgiveness. There's no prayer in that forgiveness. And there's no turning away from wicked ways in that forgiveness. We need to get to the place where not only is God hearing our prayers, but he's forgiving our sin. Because that's the place where he's going to heal our land. It's a lot said today. It took longer than I wanted to do to say it. I want us right now. To transition out of this service. Not with an altar call, where you get emotional and come down here. Listen, if you're not saved, God already did all the hard work for your salvation. He said that if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. If you already believe in the, in the story of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the Bible says in Romans 10, 13, that if you'll call on his name, he'll save you. Some of you have tried it and it didn't work. God said that he'll only, you'll only find him when you seek for him with your whole heart. Call on him again. Get saved for real. So you can be one of God's people called by his name. I'm not going to have all of us come up here and, and hold hands and, 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 and pray for all these things to happen. But I am going to lead us in prayer. I'm going to lead us in prayer for God to do what only he can do. Now, here's the thing. Some of y'all are going to pray with me. Some of y'all are just going to nap and watch clock and wait till it's over. But for everyone who's willing to pray with me, We need to understand for any prayer we pray to God to be effective before we can expect God to do what we want him to do. We got to do what he told us to do. This is a if and then this is a, we got to do this first to get God to do this next. So as we pray, understand this for this to work. Well, I'm just going to, I declare and I decree no more coronavirus for me. That's stupidity. We got people doing that and it don't, it don't work. If it worked, we'd do it and it'd work, but it don't. That's why they're still asking for money on TV. Why don't they just declare some? That's improper theology. What proper theology is, is for us to humble ourselves, to pray, to turn from our wicked ways and to seek God's face. And then he'll step into our situation. We are desperate. What we need more than anything right now is not a bailout from the government. What we need more than anything right now is not somebody to come up with a vaccine. What we need more than anything right now is, is not for the economy to get rolling or the stock market to recover its gains. What we need more than anything right now is for God to hear the prayers of his people so he will step into our situation. So here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to bow your head, close your eyes. We're going to pray. We're going to pray Understanding. That we have a responsibility. We're going to pray understanding that we are co-laborers, the Bible says, with God in this ministry. We're going to pray with the understanding that God has given us certain things to do as we rely on him to do the things that only he can do. Let's pray. God, we love you. And God, I thank you for loving us. God, I thank you for loving us so many times in spite of us, God. For forgiving us, us of our sins, God. For loving us in our frailty for accepting us into your family. God, I pray that you would let us do what you've told us to do. I pray, God, that you would raise up a people that would be more humble, that would be more prayerful, that would live more holy, and that we would seek you above all else. God, you know every situation that goes on in this earth because you are the creator and the causer of everything that happens. And God, we ask you today humbly by faith to please do away with this coronavirus. Let it just end, God. Let it end without without a reason so people will know that you did it and nobody else. Just let it stop, God. Father, I pray for everybody who's been affected with the sickness, God, that you would strengthen their body and let them recover. God, I pray you'd bring healing to our land. God, I pray you'd bring healing to our land across things that divide us, God. I pray you'd bring racial healing to our land, God, I pray that you'd bring financial healing, denominational healing. God, I pray you'd bring political healing to our land. I pray that you'd give us leaders who would be humble, God. I pray you'd give us leaders who would follow you, serve you. Father, I pray that you'd surround our president, our congressmen, our, our senators, God, with Christian voices that would speak your word to them and that they would choose to humble themselves. And not walk in pride and arrogance, God. Lord, I pray for us, God, in this room that you would let us humble ourselves and, and not believe that we are able, but to know that only you are able. God, we need you in this time. And I thank you for setting us up for this great outpouring of your love and your healing and your presence, God. I pray that you would, even as you told Solomon, that you would choose to put your name in this house, God. I pray that you would put your stamp on this house, God, that you would put your fragrance on this house, that you would put your spirit and your anointing, God. Let this be a place where you receive sacrifice, God. Let this be a place where you are honored. Let it be a place of wholeness and healing, love and forgiveness, God. Let it be a place of encouragement and correction and sound Doctrine. God, I pray, Lord, that you would magnify yourself in us. Let us be the ones who walk in faith, God. Let us be the ones who speak peace and calm to the storm. Let us be the ones who tell our friends and our neighbors and our co workers, God. Let us be the ones who tell the world that you're in charge and that you're good and that you know what you're doing. So, God, we ask you now in Jesus' name that you'd let your will be done. In this situation on earth, even as it's done in heaven. You've got the answer, God, and we trust you for it. Thank you, God, for salvation. Thank you for your word. Help us, God, to do what you told us to do as we wait for you to do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the ALCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web.